0: Jesus er knock. That is. Jesus is enough. That was in Danish. The okay. second thing I said was in English, but you know that. Hey, welcome to Grace Walk Radio. I am your host, Derek Lewandowski. Joined, as always, unless he is uh, obsessing over his fantasy football draft <laughs> or watching Liverpool or taking a walk in the beautiful... Town of Geneseo, Caleb Burke.
1: Howdy. <laughs> uh, I will say, though I do enjoy taking walks. Uh, probably not as often as my wife would want me to. So there's no obsessing there.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, physical training is of some value. Yeah. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Yeah. Did, did I combine two different verses there? Or is that the
1: probably? <laughs> and I wish that that was the case in my. <laughs>
0: No, I think that I think that's uh, I think I got that
1: right. I I, I, yeah, I wish I could point to my inability to go and exercise as I was focusing on higher value things. It's just I didn't want to go for a walk. <laughs> but my sins are forgiven.
0: Your sins are forgiven, and as we say, Caleb, it's okay not to be okay. That's right. But it's not, <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's not okay to be okay with not being okay. I. I hope my wife listens to this podcast, but I I hope she's not listening to this part. (laughs) And, uh, you know, fantasy football hasn't started officially. We just had our draft. We went over that last week. Just lots and lots of smack talk. And uh, soccer uh, for you American folk and football for the rest of us. I am American, by the way. Um, Football, for those who know, um, Liverpool begins, I think, next week. Yeah, we're a week away. So. Go red! Yeah, it's the uh, title defense. Awesome. We'll see what happens.
0: Well, as Caleb mentioned, um, we haven't started fantasy football yet, but uh, we've been giving weekly updates since the draft, which Caleb has already won the hypothetical <laughs> season because he got the highest grade on the yeah. hypothetical.
1: Well, I do have a little. Well, it's not a hypothetical
0: draft. He he got. The it was a grade. real draft. It was a real draft, but he got the hypothetical. Best
1: oh, draft. Actually, I think you could call the entire thing hypothetical. It is fantasy football.
0: Wait wait a second. I, <laughs> I just realized that, you know who graded you? It was not a human being. It was a robot. It was AI. Yeah. So are you it's telling me that... taking are, over the world. Are you now respecting as ultimate the conclusions of AI?
1: Well, I can tell you this. That is I, a slippery slope. I don't respect the... Uh, subjectiveness of humanity <laughs> where's john and sarah connor hey i can tell you this terminator reference. i am a i am a fan of some of isaac asimov's you know fictional books i'm not necessarily a fan of his theology but you know i i enjoyed i robot i like michael crichton's books yeah
0: yeah he's the guy he wrote jurassic park
1: yeah but uh he also he's he, got a he number of other few, like, yeah. science-based books mm-hmm. yeah um J.R. Tolkien is probably one of my favorites. I I slowly make my make my way through Lord of the Rings. Like I don't I don't like sit and read the whole thing through. I just kind of bits and pieces and uh I know that's fantasy and not sci-fi, but that's that's some good stuff. I like that. So uh I was gonna add just as a
0: footnote to the fantasy football conversation, my son Reese, who <laughs> you know, he, he's he's like God, right? Um family wrestling and baseball the sports he plays and then you know somewhere in there is fantasy football yeah. and, and and until fantasy football starts all of us in the league have to tolerate his endless requests for unreasonable trades have you gotten
1: any of those yes i did and in <laughs> fact the one that he asked for yeah. the person that he asked me for yeah. was the one he made fun of me for drafting the entire day is that right joe burrow he asked for Joe Burrow. He, and it's an unreasonable trade. He's well, trading me some well, third-rate quarterback. Some scrub that he yeah. got in the 14th round. And I'm going, dude, you made fun of me for this guy. Now you want him. <laughs> that ain't happening,
0: Reese. That ain't happening. I've probably gotten five or six for tra- trade. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever... I accepted one trade from him a few years ago, and I think that has encouraged him to keep doing it.
1: But um, Well, I will say, I think he probably thinks he can get away with one with me because, let's be honest, I don't know what the best... <laughs> Draft trade or trade of a player will be. I'll probably go for it because I'm like, oh, I know what that guy's name. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's. Uh, I like their uniforms. They must be good. <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I think I think he's banking on that. But that's that's how he has fun until the season officially starts. Yeah,
1: it's 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 all in good fun. All
0: but good uh, fun. the season for talking about reform theology
1: has officially started. We're, we're in week six. Seven, right? Week seven. Yeah. And how's that for a segue? That was, a, that was an interesting segue. I usually catch flack for my segues. Sometimes you got to force it. Um,
0: I mean, we're done talking about the, the TULIP acronym. Um, we, yeah. we buttoned that up last week when we talked about the perseverance of the saints and um, really encouraging feedback from that. Um, and why not? I mean, that is an encouraging doctrine, you know, that Jesus is the captain of our salvation that he'll complete what he started, um, that doctrine has and continues daily to provide me with such great comfort and encouragement. Yeah.
1: Well, and the fun part about this study, and yes, I use the word fun because I like these things, um, is that, you know, as you're going through TULIP, which is, you know, for many people synonymous with Calvinism, and and uh, though we, we haven't necessarily used the phrase a whole lot as a, an identifier, we... Often we'll use, like, Reformed theology or doctrines of grace when we talk about it. Uh, not because we're trying to, like, hide who we are, but just because for us that is more descriptive. Um, the the thing about it is that uh, it's one of those things that I don't plant my flag in the soil on Calvinism. I, I just want to know what the Word of God says. And so, I appreciate the ministry of John Calvin, and I appreciate the ministry of Martin Luther, and I appreciate the ministry. I've grown much from their their writings and their influence on many, many others, but its source is from Scripture. And so, f- that's where we want to be found, as, is as students of the Word. And so, for us, um, it can be helpful to identify it as Calvinism, because it may be familiar language, but we're not do or die, like, we're Calvinists till we die, yeah, if it's you, just helpful for us. If you came to Grace Life Church, you wouldn't see a flag flying over the
0: church with John Calvin's, you know, <laughs> uh, image on it. Uh, I don't even think there's a single picture of John Calvin uh, yeah. in our church uh, nope. uh, right here. I'm looking, We got George Whitfield over here, yeah, and then this is one of the poor preachers.
1: Is that David Brainerd? Maybe
0: uh, I, I think it's just a, just a representation a, okay. of one of the poor preachers that went into the wilderness preaching during We've, the Great Awakening, or was that the
1: yeah, that was a great awakening. And we also have your plaque on the wall that says that you are an ordained minister. Yeah. Um, Can you read what that actually says? To sure, the, to yeah. The uh,
0: you know, I, we were just this morning talking about where our credentials are from, and, and I don't have a single plaque uh, or you know, certificate on the wall. So uh, I guess we felt like that my credibility was in question. So yeah. we've turned our whiteboard into my um, credential, yeah. right? uh, my qualification. And it says on there, in handwriting that looks like it came from my nine-year-old son, Jack, Derek can preach goodly. Yep. So it's official. It's official. It's legit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We have a lot of fun on Thursdays. So, um,
0: yeah, and when it comes to Calvinism, like, I think what we're going to talk about today points to what is the central doctrine of our teaching here, which is justification by faith but reformed theology seasons yeah you know it seasons everything it um uh you know it it informs everything yeah. we preach it 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 builds the the thinking and the the structures as we preach the gospel that give us a high view of God's sovereignty a robust view of God's grace a magnificent view of the cross and then we preach the gospel with that as a backdrop but it's not like uh you know we're we're out here trying to you know evangelize Calvinism, we're we're, we're preaching the gospel.
1: Yeah. Uh, John Newton actually had something to say about that, and uh, I like the way that you used the word seasoned um, there. He used a different type of um, analogy, but along the same lines. So, using a lump of sugar in his tea, for an example, John Newton says, I am more of a Calvinist than anything else, but I use my Calvinism in my writing and preaching as I use this sugar. I do not give it alone." and whole, but mixed and diluted. I think these doctrines should be in a sermon like sugar in a dish of tea, which sweetens every drop, but is nowhere to be found in a lump. Tasted everywhere, though prominent nowhere. And, uh, you know, there is time and place for the discussion of these doctrines. Obviously, we've just been doing that. Uh, but I like how he talks about how it's it's in everything, though maybe not in the form of a lump. So, you know, people may choke on the, the form of a lump. Mm-hmm. You know, try drinking a, a spot of tea with a big old cube of sugar. It's not going to be pleasant. Uh, it's got to be diluted. It's got to be mixed down. Um, but it definitely informs everything, because it is a framework. I've used that word, I think, mm-hmm. back in week one of this study. It is a framework for how we look at, you know, at least the doctrines related to salvation and and, you know, God's sovereignty. So, Having that framework, I find to be extremely healthy and helpful, because that's my launching pad for everything else,
0: yeah, and you know we talked about open hand, closed hand you know with these things, and you know we do communicate in our membership class that um, you know Calvinism is in the uh, open hand, um, but Reformed theology actually speaks to the one doctrine that is in the closed hand, that is the essential message of the Christian faith and which was actually the ultimate mark and summary of the Reformation, which is justification by faith. Now, that's not mentioned in the Remonstrance, you know, the five points of Calvinism or TULIP, <clears throat> but if you believe those doctrines, it, it actually points to yeah. and, and builds gospel thinking in a way where your only conclusion can be what the New Testament teaches, and that is that we are justified by faith alone, in Christ alone. And yeah. so, um, you know, no surprise that the great right. doctrine of the Reformation was justification by faith. That was what Martin Luther um, was used by the Lord to, you know, proclaim, uh, you know, starting with the 95 theses as it was inferred in those 95 theses and um, that we're not saved through uh, indulgences and mm-hmm. um, Relics and the tradition,
1: the traditions, the traditions and, of the church were yeah.
0: saved through faith in Christ yeah. alone. So, um, ultimately, I think what we're talking about today is the most crucial doctrine of all, and that is uh, justification by faith. So, you know, Paul says in Romans five one, uh, which which seems to be a concluding moment in the book of Romans, one of several uh, major flagged conclusions that he's drawing as he builds gospel thinking, he says in Romans five one, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to elaborate on some of the some of the benefits and privileges and the nature of justification by faith. But he says, therefore, and as the old preacher's <laughs> adage goes, is that the right word, adage? Yeah. Um it works. If there's a therefore, find out what it's there for. <laughs> and if you turn back in Romans, you will find that the book of Romans really begins with a, a discussion on the depravity of man, our inability. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, and so it, it paints a very dark picture of humanity that in a fallen state from Adam. And it paints uh, the picture that, that that's that fallenness that brokenness that spiritual death has created separation from god and and mm-hmm. and it's a hopeless separation there's there's no hope of obtaining righteousness through the law and, and it really almost seems to encourage us to despair in uh, any pursuit that you have to try to gain righteousness through your merits or your your works and so it it brings us there but the gospel doesn't leave us there right yeah Paul then says, you know, after really discussing justification by faith in in Abraham, um and how ultimately Abraham did have a covenant of grace, uh, then he concludes and he and he puts it right out there for for everyone, for all of us, therefore.
1: Yeah.
0: Since we have been justified by faith. So what's the therefore, therefore? The mm-hmm. therefore is there because he was talking about what we were talking about the last few weeks in this podcast yeah. that We are totally depraved. I know that no good thing dwells in my flesh, and the only hope of salvation that I have is justification by faith. That is the essential core doctrine of the Christian faith uh, on which we build everything. Sanctification doesn't happen without justification. So, to be sanctified, and that's actually what the book of Romans goes on to argue, is that our sanctification is built on our justification, that we go back to our justification every single day, and on that foundation, we continue to build and construct um, lives that adorn the gospel, lives that, that honor God and worship God. But if you, lose, if you lose justification by faith, you lose the heart of the Christian faith. And I think I heard Tim Keller talking about this, and I've used this in, in my preaching. If you lose your eye, you'll be okay. Yeah. You lose an arm, you'll live. But if you lose your heart, you die. Yeah. And this doctrine we're talking about today uh, is the heart of the Christian faith justification by faith. Matter of fact, a couple quotes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wilhelmus Abrackel, the theologian, said Justification is the soul of Christianity and the fountainhead of all true comfort and sanctification. He who errs in this doctrine errs to his eternal destruction. Martin Luther, justification by faith is the article where the church stands or falls. So, uh, insert your church in there. Justification by faith is the article by which grace life stands or falls. Insert your name in there. Justification by faith is the article by which Derek or Caleb or anybody listening stands or falls. It's the soul of the Christian faith. And so, all these doctrines that we looked at so far actually point to this total depravity. Unconditional election. Why is it unconditional? Because we can't meet the conditions. Right. So the way to be saved has to be that God uh, passes by our record yeah. and he saves us another way. Well, what is that way? Faith and grace, right? Grace and faith. So, I mean, I could go on. Uh, particular atonement. Yeah. Um, if if we cannot save ourselves, then it has to be God's electing love, and Christ's death on the cross had to be effectual, right? And grace has to be effectual because we are lost and dead in our sins. You see what I'm saying? All these doctrines of, of Reformed theology speak to and build up and season the idea of justification by faith.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's why, you know, <laughs> over the years, uh, grace life you know our our mission statement has become more and more simple uh you know preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and make disciples like we don't have a fancy mission statement but we come back to that and the main focus of grace life is to preach the gospel because the heartbeat is justification by faith alone and so we we talk about it often we talk about it passionately it is the way that we uh, address and and deal with pretty much everything you can come up with as far as, you know, well, what what's the answer to this? What's the answer to that? What's the answer to this? It finds its answer in the gospel. So, uh, the heartbeat of that is justification by faith. So, we're always going to come back to that. We're always going to center there. And, you know, there really is nothing else um, that that somehow escapes that as it's answer or somehow is outside of that domain. You know, you think about the Reformation and the history of it all and, and why it was so important and influential 503 years later, um, it, it's because justification by faith is the center of everything that we have. You know, it's that Jesus came and died and and paid the, the uh, sin debt that we owed. For us, on our behalf, uh, judgment has fallen on Christ and not on us. That's such a glorious truth and it it's everything. You know, it's the,
0: immensely practical. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I've said when it comes
0: to marriage counseling and discipleship, and I'm kind of a one-trick pony. Yeah. Like I I, I there's never a different answer than the gospel. Um and usually the, the roots of the problems lie in not believing the gospel. So as a counselor, I really see my role and, and my gift, and, and I'll tell this to people, I'm going I'm to preach the gospel to your marriage. I'm going to preach yeah. the gospel to your porn addiction. I'm going to preach the gospel to um, whatever, your financial crisis. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to bring you back to believing in Christ and justification by faith. And, you know, take a marriage, for example. You have two people at war with each other. And I sit down with them and I say, okay, where do we begin? Let's go back to the gospel. Yeah. Do you believe what the gospel says about your spiritual condition, that you are fallen and broken, and that you are two sinners who have said, I do? (laughs) You have two sinners who came to the altar and said, I do. Yes, we believe that. Okay. Therefore, you should suspect yourself first in your conflicts. Hmm. Right? So – because we believe in the doctrine of sin, we should suspect ourselves first, repent of our sin contributing to the conflict, and and then forgive one another as we've been forgiven in Christ, and then show grace to one another in our areas of weakness, whether it's forgiving a failure or a sin, or showing grace to our spouse in an ongoing area of weakness that they have. Bro, it's all the gospel. Yeah. And if people will start there and believe that— That really does put out a lot of fires and and resolve a lot of conflicts. So, yeah, I mean, I guess what we're saying is this doctrine is not just for, like, Bible school students or, you know, doctrine heads who like, you know, reading books from church history. This stuff is absolutely central to our everyday relationships, to our marriages, to our families, to the climate of our hearts and how we, you know, whether or not we live in anxiety and and despondency or whether or not we're lifted out of that uh through faith in Christ. So, yeah, I mean th- this this doctrine is is absolutely core central theologically and also in our in our uh, life application of the gospel.
1: Yeah. It's it's nourishment. You know, it's 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 what keeps us going. You know, you start to think about sanctification and so much of the church Uh, It's like they assume justification and then it's like they move on to sanctification. Like, okay, now you got to figure it out. And for much of the church, that message is do this, do that, be better, try to grow, try to be nicer, try to try to force some fruit of the spirit to happen. You know, like, you know, it's all works and it's a bunch of legalism. Uh, You know, Christians don't do this and Christians don't do that. Christians look like this. And so we we spend the rest of our Christian walk focusing on those things. But the reality is, where we need to grow and where we need nourishment is based on justification by faith alone. You got to come back to that, and sanctification as well as faith. It, it's by faith. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not a thing of works. But what I've discovered in in my time uh, studying through these doctrines is that uh, the sanctification part of it is is as well, just as little to do with me Mm -hmm. uh, and my efforts as justification, and I should spend my time really reminding myself of everything that took place because of my justification.
0: Galatians 3.3, Will you continue in the flesh that which you began in the Spirit? Yeah. I mean, he's telling us, he's telling us basically where we should position our sanctification uh, in – Theology, and it's the same place you position your salvation because actually, sanctification is part of salvation. Therefore, the same grace that you absolutely forfeited your human rights and forfeited your own free will and forfeited your own righteousness, and you know you Mm -hmm. discarded it like Paul did in Philippians uh, three. um, you, You continue to discard it. You continue to trust in Christ implicitly in your sanctification the same way you did at initial salvation, trusting that it's his work, it's his grace. You know, and that's why, you know, Tim Keller said the gospel is not the ABCs of our faith. It's the A to Z because this feeds everything. Grace feeds everything. Justification by faith feeds everything and it's the foundation of everything. Um, and, you know, you, you talk about the, uh, the, what happens when you assume the gospel it's, it's terrible, man. Yeah. Um, I think it was um, Adia Carson did a study on the Mennonite movement, and he concluded and summarized that in, in parts of the Mennonite, uh, at least the Mennonite movement he was studying, that had, gone, that had gotten de-churched, mm-hmm. he concluded that it was for this reason. Number one, the first generation— loved the gospel. The second generation assumed the gospel and the third generation hated the gospel. Mm. So the minute you start to assume the gospel, what does that look like? What that looks like is you shift from the indicatives of scripture to the imperatives. You shift from <clears throat> the justification by faith to what you might call practical Christianity. And you go, "Well, we we understand that." Yeah. Right? We understand we're saved we're saved by grace. Jesus died on the cross for us. We get that. So we assume that. Now let's move on to really, how do you live this out? Well, let me give you a message on the practice of Christianity. And then our messages become nothing more than practical application of Christianity. And, and then we immediately start go, getting on that slippery slope to moralism. Nothing yeah. wrong with morals, but moralism <laughs> is deadly because that means that. Keeping the morality, maintaining morality, becomes the fundamental way that you approach God, seek his favor and his acceptance, and you lose sight of the beauty of justification by faith that creates the warmth and the gratitude and the worship of our faith. Therefore, the third generation hates the gospel because it's all about the commandment. It's all about the law, and they come under law because the gospel itself is assumed. The law kills.
1: Yep. You know, uh, (laughs) This is going to sound very Yoda-ish right now, you know. Fear is the path to suffering. Fear leads to anger. <laughs> anger leads to hatred. Hatred leads to suffering. I hope yeah. I got that right. I should, as a Star Wars fan, you know that way too well. And <laughs> yes, I do. Um, the reality is, I, I've seen this a lot lately, and to be frank with you, it's just really perturbed me. It, like to the point that I I tweeted something out a couple days ago about it. Like I've just seen so many people posting these. Foolish statements like what we need right now, in the midst of this whatever this pandemic this this hoax, this government, whatever blah blah blah, we need preachers who will get up there and say it like it is, some people with backbone who will call out the lies of the left and, and like i 'm going and they always end on the the ones who preach the truth. Mm-hmm. Preaching angrily about your opinions on things is not preaching the truth.
0: It's not the gospel.
1: Preaching the gospel is preaching the truth. And so, that means to center on justification by faith alone and what the Word of God proclaims. And so, you can get up there as a preacher – And you maybe start with, okay, we're gonna focus on like what what to do now that you're a believer. And then after a while, maybe you've got seven ways to use your pocketbook for Jesus. And then twelve ways to a better smile. And like eventually maybe you find yourself down that path where it's just a bunch of I don't know, self help stuff. Or You go the other way, and it it eventually becomes just this legalistic approach to everything. If you're a Christian, you're always going to vote Republican. And if you vote differently, you're going to hell. That's not the gospel. Right. It's not the gospel. And I've seen too much of it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen the opportunity that preachers have to get up there and preach the gospel and proclaim the forgiveness of sins to people, and they spend all their time focusing on politics or, or moral issues, which again, morals aren't wrong, moralism is wrong, mm-hmm. and and so they become preachers of moralism, and they cease to be preachers of the gospel, and And some of them, they default and go, well, yeah, but we do preach the gospel, because eight years ago, I said this. Right. That's not preaching the gospel. Right.
0: Yeah, and, you know, th- there's there's two ways, two wrong responses to God's law. The first wrong response is to just rebel and run from it and say, you know, screw that, I'm going to live my own life, my own way, and, you know, I, I want to go to hell because that's where all my friends are, and I'm partying, <laughs> you know. There's that mentality, and, and I think... I think even moralists and legalists understand that um, wrong use of the law and preach against it rightly. But how about this? The second incorrect use of the law is to see it as a way to fix ourselves. And so we, we see the commandments as a means for justification. That's not the gospel. That's not grace. That's not the message of the cross. And, uh, and it creates it creates. Uh, condemnation, guilt, self-righteousness, pride on the other hand, uh, fear. Um, And so, it's it's religious sinning. And remember, it was those who did not believe in justification by faith that killed Christ. Right? Legalists killed Christ. And guess what? Legalism kills Christ in you. It'll kill the joy of the Lord. It'll kill the peace of God. It'll kill the... The, the warm sense of the Father's love that you have completely in Christ Jesus. So I, I guess one of the things I want to point out here um, as we start to circle the airport and come yeah. in for a landing, you know us. Um, we're we're going we're to do justice to this thing. We're going to talk it out here. <laughs> but one of the things I think that does need to be addressed is what's the alternative to justification by faith, okay? Mm-hmm. So... Romans five one we've been justified by faith. Well, what is it not saying? I, you know, sometimes I'm thick headed, and it helps me understand the Bible. Understand the Bible by what it's not saying. Okay, we're not justified by works, yeah. but start to get specific. In Galatians, it was justification by circumcision, justification by keeping the law of Moses, justification by becoming culturally Jewish. There's other things we add to yeah. justification by faith that make it not faith anymore justification by water baptism justification by what version of the bible you read justification by your denomination justification by eschatology whatever eschatology you hold justification by homeschooling justification by spiritual disciplines justification by spiritual gifts justification by justifications by justification by signs wonders and miracles or that becomes your gospel. You sort of feel your way through your relationship with God, and this climate of your heart is dependent upon the latest experience that you had with the Holy Spirit, or whether or not you experienced the presence of God. Folks, that's, ju- that's a form of legalism. Yeah. Um, or, or how about this? And I'm going to circle it back on us now. And, and I know this, <laughs> this can be a controversial topic, but how about justification by adhering to every point of TULIP? <laughs> Ooh. We, knew, we do need to be careful as Reformed people and Calvinists not to make every point of Calvinism an issue of justification. Yeah. Uh, I, I got an article forwarded to me by an Acts 29 friend a few years back. Um, can't remember the art—the author. I think it was on the Gospel Coalition. And, and it basically said what it means to truly be Reformed. And the point that the the Reformed Pastor Writer made was that we have to be careful not to add tulip so it becomes like it wasn't the Church of Galatian and Galatian heresy, yeah. Jesus plus circumcision, Jesus plus tulip, because when we do that we begin to cannibalize the rest of the body of Christ, kill them off, and um and we begin to be very exclusive and and lack grace for Armenians. Yeah. So can an Armenian Preach justification by faith because here we are talking about reform theology and the yeah. essential uh, core <laughs> message of reform theology and how every every distinctive of reform theology points to justification by faith. So let's ask the question: Can an Armenian preach justification by faith? Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, but I would caution um, everyone to beware. Okay, there's there's some caveats here. Beware. Of maintaining in your heart an island of righteousness. In other words, when it really comes down to it, salvation is on me, not Jesus. Okay. There's a danger. Uh, you know, it's one of the that's one of the concerns I have with Armenian theology is there's a great danger in terminating salvation ultimately on you. I do appreciate. Uh, you know some of the Arminians who use the term prevenient grace, there are those who really have a high view of God's sovereignty in salvation. Um, and that's why you and I have pointed out that a lot of modern Armenians don't even believe what Jacobus Arminius believed and that he did have a high view of God's sovereignty in salvation and where maybe a Calvinist would say we're dead, maybe he would say we're sick, but it still requires prevenient grace. Mm-hmm. To, so my point is Be careful not to just assume that your view of justification is gospel pure. Beware of of an island of righteousness. Beware of your preferences where you say, uh, yeah, we're saved by grace, but if you, you know, I don't know, if you don't speak in tongues or if you don't have this certain spiritual gift, then... You're not as close to God, or you might not be, you know, maybe you don't even know God. That yep. is not the gospel. That is legalism. Um, or your style of worship. Churches that use, you know, rock <laughs> instruments and have production, that is totally sinful. Well, and, so are you saying then that our fellowship is now around what instruments we use on stage and justification by your, your <laughs> style of worship? Folks, this stuff runs. self-salvation runs so deep, yeah. we will easily slip into legalism and adding things to justification involuntarily without even knowing it. So beware yeah. of that island of righteousness. Beware of your preference. Beware of your works. And starting to ask the question, which I do want to ask uh, those who uh, make the point of turning grace into a dirty word because we've well, we got to be careful and we don't want to preach grace too hard <laughs> because then people won't do works. If you start asking the question how many good works is enough? Yeah. That's a valid question. Because if you're asking that question, then you will constantly be insecure in your salvation. You will constantly believe that your salvation is up to you maintaining it, not Jesus and his covenant with the Father in John 17. So I do want to affirm my Arminian brothers and sisters. I, I do think there's some dangers uh in that theological system, that those who adhere to it have to be cautious of when you teach justification by faith, warn against those dangers. Um, but I also want to give grace there too and, and not make Tulip uh, a reformed version of legalism.
1: Yeah, exactly. Huh, I mean, I think at the end of the day, we just have to come to the place where we recognize. God's goodness and God's grace in this. You know, he takes people who are lost and dead in their trespasses and sins, and he makes their dead hearts of stone alive again. And it's nothing you could do. It's nothing you could earn. It's by faith and grace alone. Tulip helps us to understand that. And it helps us to understand that that faith and grace is even a gift from God that I, I'm, I'm so spiritually dead. I can't even generate faith. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know that's why for us it is important. For us it is such a beautiful thing to study and look at. It's not harsh to us. It's not difficult or challenging. It's beautiful and wonderful and a warm blanket for us. Because I don't, I can't think of anything that is more wonderful and loving than someone saving somebody, mm-hmm. and somebody saving somebody who didn't deserve it. That is a that is an act of love. And I sure didn't deserve it. I was dead in my sins and Jesus rescued me.
0: One of my wife's responses to election was she said, "Sweetheart, what woman doesn't want to be picked?" Hmm. She goes, "As I learned about that doctrine, I just felt so loved, yeah, that he chose me and and I was undeserving and 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 yet he he reached for me and and drew me to himself and and uh, I thought that was an interesting response, too. It's just, there's, it's love. Yeah. You know, to the praise of his glorious grace. I mean, that's what Ephesians 1 says. It causes us to be grateful and thankful and, and worship him. And, and uh, you know, we love him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Why? Because he first yeah. loved us. Man. And that's justification by faith alone, that he first loved us. And, um, that and the it- only reason I'm saved, the only reason that I'm accepted is because of that great love which was manifest in Christ on the cross. So we are saved by works, Christ's work. Don't forget that. (laughs) And remember that Jesus is enough. God bless you.